This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome back to Mutual Presents. I am Mona, your Mutual Oral Network assistant filling in for Jack Ward, who should return next week. Tortoise Willing. We have the tremendously popular radio show The Mysterious Traveler, this week featured from Tuesday Terrors, the weekly show of modern horror hosted by Jeffrey Ballard. Tonight's double feature is The House of Death and The Good Die Young. So let's wind back our clocks to that time, and don't forget to add an extra hour for daylight savings. Good kitty. Nice penny. Don't worry, Jack will be back next week. I hope. driving along a narrow road through the woods. At a point where a second road, even narrower, crosses the first, the car stops. Here you are, young fella. This is the professor's place. Uh, is it? All I can see is woods. Uh, it's up that road, about 50 yards. Look sharp and you can see the light shining between them two trees. Huh? Oh, yes, I see it now. Then I guess I get out here. Uh... Would you hand me my bag, Sheriff Ramsey? All right. Here you are. Thanks. And that's a dollar I owe you, right? Yep. Thank you. You know the professor, do you? Yes. I was Professor Clark's laboratory assistant back in college ten years ago. Oh. Why? I was thinking maybe... Maybe you could drop a hint to him. A hint? What kind of a hint? Well, that there's been some talk in town of running him and that man of his, that Barton, fell out of the county. Running Professor Clark? Oh, you're not serious. Yep. Of course, it's just talk. So far. But, but what has anybody got against Professor Clark? There isn't a milder man in the world. Well, maybe so, but folks has got wind of what happened at the state penitentiary over in Hillvale last year. Sheriff, you're talking in riddles. What did happen? The professor went over there when they hanged Richard. That hauled-up killer. Uh-huh. And the warden give the professor the murderer's brain. That's what happened. Well, what of it? Professor Clark is a great authority on nerve and brain tissues. Maybe he wanted it for research purposes. Yeah, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just telling you how folks are talking. They think he's keeping that brain in a big glass jar and making it grow. Oh, that's perfectly ridiculous. Well, they don't think so. They got the notion that brain is big as a bull calf by now. And they're afraid someday it'll escape. <laughs> Sheriff, for a minute I was taking you seriously. A brain as big as a calf? Oh, I'm not saying I ever believed it, but it'd be a good idea if the professor'd give folks a notion of what he's really doing in that laboratory of his, with that Barton fella to help him. Then maybe the talk would die down. I understand. 
All right, Sheriff, I'll mention it to him. Well, then I'll be getting on. Good night, young fella. Good night, Sheriff. Right up that road, about 50 yards. You can't miss it. A few moments later, Dr. Richard Dale was knocking on the door of an old stone house almost hidden among the trees. A frail, white-haired old man answered the door. An old man who could hardly speak in his joy as he gripped Richard Dale's hand. He led the way down a long hall to a great room where strange equipment took up almost every inch of space. Retorts and electric furnaces, generators, batteries, and great glass vats. Dr. Dale stared around him in intense curiosity as Professor Clark helped him off with his hat and coat. There. Now, sit down, Dick, my boy. Sit down and let me get a good look at you. Ah, so, you got my letter? Oh, yes, yes, of course you did, or you wouldn't be here. Uh, thanks, Professor. Yes, I got your letter. And it made me so curious I took the first train. You promised me a surprise. Well, is this it, this amazing laboratory? <laughs> no, no, my boy. You'll come to that in a moment after you've met Barton, my assistant. Barton? I, I don't seem to know the name. Should I? No, he's not famous yet. But he will be. He's been with me only a few months. I couldn't get along without him. He certainly sounds interesting. Yeah, you'll like him, I'm sure you will. Uh, Barton? Yes, Professor? And Dr. Dale has arrived. I want you to meet him. Why, of course. How do you do, Dr. Dale? We both of us have been looking forward to your visit. Uh, how do you do? Yes, the professor's letter made me so curious I couldn't stay away. I'm still wondering what the great surprise is he promised uh, me. You'll see, Dick, in just a minute. My curiosity's at fever pitch. Well, it's time to satisfy it. Uh, Barton, is Alpha making some coffee? Yes, he started it when we heard the car. Alpha? Who is he? Our general man of all work. Truly amazing fellow. <laughs> ah, here he comes now. Shall Alpha serve coffee? Good heavens. I said you'd be surprised, Dick. He's not human. He's a machine. A robot. Yes, my boy. An artificial man made from metal and synthetic brain tissue. A machine man? Walking and talking. He's not very pretty, but then the professor was mostly interested in making sure he'd work. He must weigh a ton. No, only about 300 pounds. You see, Alpha's mostly aluminum and other light alloys. Inside his aluminum plates are some new batteries I devised, together with miles of fine silver wire and a dozen electric motors. To give you only the highlights. It's a good thing you did keep this for a surprise. If you had mentioned it in your letter, I, I don't think I would have believed you. Shall Alpha serve coffee now? Yes, Alpha. Put it on this table here and pour a cup for Dr. Dale. Alpha, do so. Still can't make myself believe it. Alpha poured coffee. Go on, Dick. Take it. Huh? Oh, 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 yes, of course. Al, thank you. Alpha, this is Dr. Dale, our guest. Any orders he gives are to be obeyed. 
clumsy, but but he poured the coffee as well as a man could. Yes, my boy, Alpha has capabilities you'd never suspect to look at him. Here, here I'll show you. Alpha. Alpha hears. The fireplace needs more wood. Put on that big log there. Alpha, do it. Alpha has log. Now, break it in half. Alpha, break it. Six log is breaking it with his hands. anymore tonight, Alpha. You can go back to your room now. Alpha is going. Be sure to switch off your batteries. They're going to need recharging tomorrow. Alpha understands. That's the most incredible thing I ever saw. You see, Dick, I try to treat Alpha as if he were really a man. So I give him a room of his own. Like any machine, he's completely inactive when his batteries have been switched off. But his brain continues to function. It's an artificial protoplasm that I spend eight years creating. It's the only thing that makes him different from any other machine. But it means Alpha can think. Think like a man. A machine that can walk and talk and think. Ah, but Alpha's not the only surprise I have for you, Dick. He's not? No, I have another one. Even more astonishing. Uh, but you'll have to wait until morning to learn about that. Because now it's time we were both in bed. I suppose you're right. It's after one. I know you must be tired. I'm getting old. So I'm going up to bed now, Dick. Uh, Barton will show you to your room. Of course, Professor. I'll see you in the morning, then. Yes. We'll have a long talk tomorrow. Good night. Good night, Professor Clark. Oh, uh... Dr. Dale. Uh, yes, Barton? Could we talk for a minute before I show you to your room? Oh, yes, of course. It occurs to me the professor forgot to tell you why he asked you here. Oh, yes, that's true. And I've been so interested I forgot to ask. It was his hope that you'd stay indefinitely and help us carry forward the work we've been doing here. Stay indefinitely? Well, I have my own work I Don't I... say no yet. Now, just think, Dr. Dale... Alpha is stronger and more rugged than a man. He needs no rest, no food. Yet he can do the work of three men. He can plow, reap, run machinery. Think how much drudgery a million like him could lift from mankind's shoulders. Yes, yes, yes that's true. And already Alpha is technically obsolete. Professor Clark has the blueprints for a new machine man. As superior to Alpha as, as an airplane is to a bicycle. We want you to help us build them. Well, I'm certainly tempted. Perhaps I could arrange Ah, excellent. And uh, now there's only one more thing I want to tell you. Yes? What is it? It's about Alpha. You must help me persuade the professor to... to dismantle him. Dismantle him? Yes. Why? He has become dangerous. Uh, I, I don't understand. Because he was the first successful machine man that the professor built. He is imperfect in many ways. He's not completely reliable. I'm afraid that someday he may escape from the house and so 
do some damage that would seriously upset our plans. Yes, yes, that could easily happen. The local inhabitants are unfriendly enough as it I, is. I know. Sheriff Ramsey was warning me about that tonight. All right, I'll speak to Professor Clark about it tomorrow. Ah, good. Then I'll show you to your room now, if you wish. <laughs> yes. I am sleepy if you'll just come this way. His mind in a whirl of amazement, Dr. Dale retired and finally fell into an uneasy sleep. How long he had slept, he did not know. And abruptly he woke with a scream ringing in his ears. The cry came from downstairs. Dr. Dale leaped from his bed and raced down to the lower floor. found Barton hammering on the heavy door of the laboratory. Professor Clark! Professor Clark! What's wrong? What? What's up? It's the professor. I heard him call for help. Huh. Yes, so did I. It woke me the up. The door's locked. He must be in there, but there's no sound in there now. Well, we've got to break the door down. Yes. Put your shoulder beside mine. Right. You ready? Ready. And shut. Professor Clark! Where are you? Professor Clark. He's not here. Yes. Here he is, lying on the floor beside the window. He's been murdered. It was Alpha. It must have been. No one else could have done it. But where is Alpha? The window. It's open. He went out that day. We've got to go after him. I'm afraid it's hopeless. At night in these woods, we couldn't possibly find him. No, no, you're right. It'll be morning soon. Then I think he'll come back. He knows that he can only go a few more hours before his batteries must be recharged. Then we can capture him and destroy him. But, Barton, why did he kill the man who created him? The professor must have come down to the laboratory for some reason... Occasionally, when he couldn't sleep, he would do that. He may have decided to make some more tests of Alpha. Yes, but that doesn't explain why... During the test, something must have occurred. When Alpha returns, we can find out. Poor Professor Clark. Well, we'll have to notify the police. There's only the sheriff. In any case, I think we should wait till morning and then report the professor's death as, uh, as an accident. An accident? Yes, If the authorities learn the truth, our research may be stopped. And when Professor Clark has achieved so much, can we let it go for nothing? No, no, of course not. Dr. Dale, we must carry on his work for him. Yes, that's what he would want. Then you will help me continue it? You'll stay? Yes. Yes, I'll stay. Greatly upset by the tragedy, Dr. Dale returned to bed at last fell into an uneasy sleep, haunted by dreams of Alpha, the metal monster Professor Clark had created. When he awoke, the sun was shining, and he could hear Barton moving about downstairs. He dressed and went down to find Barton getting breakfast ready. Oh, good morning, Dr. Dale. Good morning, Barton. Any sign of Alpha? Not yet. We ought to start a search for him. But first, I think you ought to eat breakfast. Everything's ready. All right. Some coffee anyway. Yes. Sit here. Thank you. I didn't know you were a cook as well as a lab assistant, Barton. I've uh, learned to do a lot of things since I came here. Uh, Aren't you going to eat, too? I'm not hungry. I seldom am. But I thought that while you ate, I might outline some of the problems facing us. That's a good idea. You see... Though Alpha's brain is of synthetic protoplasm, it is not completely artificial. I was wondering about that. 
Sheriff Ramsey mentioned that the professor secured a human brain from... From an executed killer, yes. The professor found that to give life to his artificial brain tissue, it was necessary to add a small amount of tissue from a real brain. I see. The real tissue gave life to the rest. Of course. Yes, but in this instance, it may have tainted Alpha's brain with the murderous impulse of a killer. Yes, that sounds plausible. So our first problem will be to obtain untainted brain tissues to blend with the artificial tissues we will make according to the professor's formula. That should give us no trouble. I can get what we need through the research laboratories where I'm connected. Ah, then that solves our worst problem. The rest will be matters of detail. Fortunately, there is enough equipment here to build a dozen or so robots. Like Alpha, you mean? No. The far more advanced type Professor Clark was perfecting. And now, if you've finished... I have something to show you. Yes, I'm through. I don't feel much like eating after last night. Then come with me to the laboratory, and I'll show you the second surprise that Professor Clark had in store for you. Ah, here we are. Now, what I'm going to show you is in this box. Another robot? Yes. A second mechanical man the professor built a few months ago. This one, though, was a failure. You mean it wouldn't work? It worked too well. I don't follow. It was too intelligent. Professor Clark called it Beta. And Beta's brain power was greater than that of any human scientist who ever lived. But Beta was insane. Good Lord. He represented, however, a tremendous technical advance. Look. It looks exactly like a human being. Yes. Professor Clark used me for a model when he built Beta. It's an excellent likeness. Uh, touch the face, Doctor. All right. It feels smooth and rubbery with a hard surface underneath. The surface is a new plastic Professor Clark developed with which he could imitate exactly the appearance of human skin. Underneath is an aluminum body on which the plastic was baked. I see. Beta's hair, eyes, and teeth are all artificial, too. But he walked and talked and acted so much like a human being that no man alive could have guessed his secret. No, he would have fooled me completely. And you say he was insane? From, from the human viewpoint, yes. He considered himself superior to the human race. With his enormous brain power, he intended to make himself ruler of the world. You're joking. Not in the least. That is why Professor Clark destroyed him just in time. He had made plans to take over this laboratory and construct dozens of mechanical men like himself. And then, with their help, he was going to enslave all mankind. Barton, if that could happen once, it might happen again. I don't believe we should continue Professor Clark's work after all. Oh, there's no danger now, Doctor. You see, Beta also had a brain which contained tissues taken from that of the condemned murderer. But we will select the brain tissues from the highest types that are available. Yes, but even so, then, you... Doctor, we will produce mechanical men, tireless, indestructible, who will be mankind's willing servants, who will solve for man problems he can't solve for himself. I wonder. In any case, we must proceed with the utmost caution. Of course. Doctor, listen. Someone's coming to the house. It's Alpha. He's come back. Alpha. We may need a weapon, Barton. No, I can control him. Alpha. Alpha, come here. Alpha comes. Alpha, you killed Professor Clark. Why did you do it? Professor said he would destroy Alpha. And you killed him because of that? 
Alpha does not want to be destroyed. But, but you're just a machine. What difference does it make to you? Alpha is machine that lives. Alpha is stronger than you. Alpha is better than you. Alpha, be quiet. We must destroy Alpha at once. You are right, Doctor. Do you hear, Alpha? You are to be punished. Alpha here. But first, we want to know where you've been. Did anyone see you? Men saw Alpha. Men saw you? What do you mean? Two men driving automobiles saw him. And what did they do? They tried to hit Alpha with automobiles. And then what happened? Alpha stopped automobile. Alpha killed one man. Killed him? Other man ran off in woods. Alpha could not find him. Alpha came back. We can't keep this a secret. No matter what happens, we must notify the authorities at once. No, wait. Let me think. We can't... The bell. There's someone at the door. I'll see who it is. You stay here. But what about Alpha? I'll switch off his batteries, then he can't move. There. Now I'll see who's at the door. Dr. Dale waited while Barton went to the door. He heard the door open and recognized the excited voice of Sheriff Ramsey speaking. Then a moment later, Barton came back into the laboratory, followed by the sheriff, who held a revolver in his hand. But, Sheriff, if you'd only let me explain... Never mind that. You're coming with me, both of you. Dr. Dale, perhaps you can reason with the sheriff. He insists that we're under arrest. Yes, and I'm taking you to the lockup. The professor, too. Where is he? Professor Clark is dead, Sheriff. Dead? He was killed last night when an experiment he was engaged in went wrong. An experiment, huh? I suppose it was an experiment that crushed the life out of him. It crushed the life out of Jed Thompson an hour ago down the road and scared Fred Jennings so bad, all he can do is jabber about monsters. It's true. The things that killed both the professor and Thompson is an experiment. It's standing there behind Behind? <gasps> a machine. A man made out of machinery. Oh, don't be alarmed, Sheriff. It's perfectly harmless now. It is a machine man which Professor Clark built. Unfortunately, it got out of control. I don't believe it. I don't blame you, Sheriff, but that's the truth. I think I can convince you. What are you doing? Stand still. I'm I... simply going to switch Alpha on. There. Now he can move and speak as well as you and me. That thing talk? You're lying. You're up to something. Alpha, will you tell the sheriff that it was you who killed Mr. Thompson? Alpha <gasps> killed him. He tried to hit Alpha with car. So that's what the professor was up to all this time. Building that thing. Now, Sheriff, surely you realize that we are not murderers. Maybe not, but you'll come to jail just the same. You're partly responsible anyhow. But, Sheriff, we... Anyway, it's for your own protection. There's a mob on its way out here from town. They're going to burn this place down. What? i got to put you in jail for your own safety. They're ready to lynch you right now. Burn the place down? That's what I said. So turn that machine thing off and come along. We ain't got much time. No. All this equipment, machinery, the professor's notes, they must not be destroyed. We must stop them. Yes, Sheriff. The loss of science... Never mind science. You've got your own skins to worry about. That mob means business. Let's get started. I'm afraid we can't do that, Sheriff. You can't. i got a six-shooter here that says different. We have no choice, Barton. Oh, yes, we have. Alpha, take the gun away from this man. What are you doing? Stop him! Stop him, or I... Stop him! 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 Stop
Dr. Dale. He's dead. Alpha crushed him? Yes, Dr. Dale. And now, you're a murderer. In a good cause. The life of one man or of a dozen men cannot stand in my way. You don't expect me to keep silent about this, do I you? I think you will. Alpha. Alpha. He doesn't answer. His batteries have gone dead. That last burst of energy must have drained them dry. But it makes no difference. I think it does. A big difference. There, see this? It's Sheriff Ramsey's revolver with three bullets still in it. Now put your hands up. I must explain something to you, Doctor. You can talk, but if you move, I'll shoot. I only want to say that nothing is going to interfere with my plan to build more of the improved form of robots that Professor Clark perfected before his death. Robots who look and act so much like men, no one can detect them. They'll never be built. I intend to destroy all of Professor Clark's notes. They will be built by me. I shall build ten, a hundred, a thousand. Then I shall lead them with a superior intelligence to the mastery of the world. You're mad. Of course I should have guessed. No, Doctor, that's not the answer. I shall tell you the truth. And then you must die. Stand still or I'll shoot. You remember last night when the professor said he had another surprise for you? An even greater surprise than Alpha? Yes. That surprise, Doctor, was Beta, the second robot. So perfect it looked like a man but so intelligent that human beings were as children in comparison. But Beta was destroyed. No, Dr. Beta was not destroyed. But you must be destroyed. Stand back. Stand back, I say. All right, then I'll shoot. And now, Doctor, your bullets are gone. You, you aren't even hurt. Bullets cannot harm me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Beta, the second robot was not destroyed. But I saw him. What you saw was only an initial attempt that failed. The real beta still exists. You see, Dr. Dale, I am beta. You? Yes. I, too, am a mechanical man. And now, you must die. No. No, stay away from me. Stay away! <laughs> This is the mysterious traveler again. What happened to Dr. Dale? Why, he's still alive, but of course under observation in a hospital. In fact, it was he who told me the story. You see, the mob that was coming to burn down the house arrived just in time to save him. But Barton, or Beta as he called himself, escaped. He could hardly have survived all those bullets if he had been human, could he? I wonder if the story is true. Do you suppose that somewhere a strange individual who is really a robot is making other mechanical men preparing to carry out Barton's plan to rule the world? Oh, you haven't time to talk about it now. You're getting off here. I'm sorry. But perhaps we'll meet again soon. I take this same train every week at this same time. You've just heard Chapter 19 of The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and terrifying brought to you each week by Station W.O.R. In tonight's story... Beware of Tomorrow, 
Will Hare played Dr. Dale, and Don Randolph played Barton. Also featured were Maurice Tarplin and Philip Clark. The Mysterious Traveler, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is directed by Jock McGregor. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. Listen next week to a tale titled The Accusing Corpse. Another tale of the mysterious traveler. The mysterious traveler is presented over WOR Mutual every Sunday at 7 over most of these stations. This is Mutual. Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join him on another journey into the realm of the strange and terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves. Where are we going? We're going to journey to the grave and learn the secrets of the dead in a tale titled... The Accusing Corpse. Some years ago, when I was a county coroner, I was called in on a most interesting case. A case which had begun in the country home of Philip Drake, the wealthy stockbroker. Roger, thank goodness you were able to get here in time. I left town right after I received your call. What's wrong, Philip? You sounded so upset over the phone. It's Vivian. She's upstairs in her room packing. She says she's leaving me. Leaving you? Why? She seems to feel our marriage has been a mistake. Roger, won't you speak to her? Persuade her to stay. After all, she is your sister. I'm afraid, Philip, that Vivian and I have never been as close as sister and brother should be. She's always been wild and spoiled. Perhaps, Philip, it would be better if... If you were to let her go. No, I couldn't do that. I love her, Roger. I wouldn't want to live without her. Won't you please try to persuade her to stay? All right, Philip. I'll do my best. But I must warn you, I haven't much influence well, over her. Philip, I'm all packed and ready to... Why, Roger, darling, what a surprise. What are you doing here? Vivian, Philip has told me. Now, surely you can't be serious... You know how he loves you, everything he's done to make you happy. Now, Roger, you aren't going to start on that, are you? Someday, Vivian, you'll get just what you deserve for walking over people, breaking their hearts. Every time I think of you being my sister, I feel Roger, like I... please. Would you mind waiting in the other room? I'd like to speak to Vivian alone. Oh, all right, Philip. Call me when you want me. Really, Philip, 
No matter what you have to say, you're just wasting your time. Oh, Vivian, how can you do this to me? You know I love you, that I'd do anything to make you happy. That's sweet of you, dear. Would you mind lending me your car to get to town? If you leave me, Vivian, you won't get a cent. Not a cent, do you hear? Really? Did you ever stop to think, Philip, that there might be another man huh? with more money than you? Another man? Oh, no, there couldn't be. And why not? But we've only been married three months. There, there couldn't be anyone in that time. Oh, but there was. Oh, Vivian, in spite of what you've done, I'm willing to forgive you and start over with you. <laughs> but, darling, I don't want you to forgive me. I want you to forget me. Vivian, you can't do this to me. I love you. I won't let you go. I really must be saying goodbye now. He's waiting for me in town, and I don't want to be late. If I can't have you, no one else will, do you hear? Oh, really, Philip, you're being ridiculous. I must go. No. Philip, what are you doing? A gun. Yes, Vivian, a gun. I told you if I couldn't have you, no one else would. Oh, Philip, you're insane. Put that gun down. If you don't change your mind about leaving, I'll kill you. Even with that gun, you can't keep me, do you hear? I'd sooner die than go on living with you. I'm going, and you're not going to stop. <laughs> You shot me. Vivian. Philip. Philip, Philip, what happened? I, I thought I heard... Vivian. Roger. Is she dead? Yes. Philip, do you, do you know what this may mean? Life imprisonment, perhaps. E even the electric chair. I know. Nothing seems to matter now. But, but you simply can't throw your life away like that, Philip. Oh, even if Vivian was my sister, I don't mind telling you that I always felt you were far too good for her. She didn't deserve to be your wife. Oh, please, Roger. Now, look, Philip, if, if we were to get rid of the body, who could possibly know that she didn't leave here tonight as she'd planned? Oh, no, it wouldn't work, Roger. You can't get away with murder. That's nonsense, Philip. Now, now, if we were to bury her in the woods, no one would ever find the body. Bury her in the woods? I couldn't do that. Well, then I'll do it. You can wait here till I return. But, Roger, what if, Philip, you must let me handle this. You... You'd better give me the gun. All right, Roger. You are. Good. Now, now, you wait here while I get rid of the body. Philip watched, spellbound, unable to say a word, as Roger picked up the body and left the room. As Roger, carrying his burden past the gardener's shed, he picked up a shovel. In a few moments, he reached the woods which began at the rear of the house and extended for miles. He carefully made his way through the forest underbrush until he was well out of sight of the house. Then he stopped and looked about. <sighs> I, I think this is quite far enough. I think you can put me down now, Roger. I'm tired of being carried like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, let me congratulate you on your performance as a corpse. <laughs> Do you think he suspects anything? <laughs> of course he doesn't. He's positive that he shot and killed you. You've got the gun, haven't you? Well, certainly I've got it. You don't think I was going to let him discover that the bullets had been removed and blank cartridges substituted, do you? Oh, no. Not you, Roger. You always know what you're doing. I always try to, my dear sister. You don't think Philip will give you any trouble, do you? Outside of being in love with me, he isn't an utter fool. <laughs> don't worry, I can handle Philip. Now, uh, here's the key to the apartment I rented in town. You'll find my car a quarter of a mile down the road. All right. I'll be waiting for you at the apartment. I'll be there in a few hours. Hmm, now, now, let me see. Yes. Yes, this seems like a nice place to dig. 
The next morning, Roger called on Philip at his office. With a calculating glance, he noted that Philip's eyes were bloodshot, that his hand trembled as the two shook hands. How are you, Philip? I couldn't sleep at all last night. I kept thinking of Vivian. And what if her disappearance is noticed? People begin asking questions. Now, all you have to do is tell them that Vivian left you and, and you don't know where she is. Or oh, things like that happen every day. You've been very helpful to me, Roger. If ever I get a chance to repay you for it, rest assured, I will. That's very good of you, Philip. Uh, truth of the matter is, you, uh, you could do me a favor if you would. Of course. What is it? Well, I'm in the midst of a business deal, and I find myself a little short of capital. If you could lend me some money, I'd appreciate it. Oh, certainly, Roger. How much do you need? Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand? That's quite a lot. Naturally, Philip, if you feel you can't lend it to me, I'll go to a bank and try to borrow oh, it. It isn't that I can't lend it to you, Roger. It's just that the amount surprised me. Uh, shall I make the check out to you? Uh, yes, if you please. All right. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this, Philip. As Philip wrote out a check for $20,000, Roger smiled. Things were working out just as he had planned. Well, an hour later, Roger entered an old brownstone house and went to apartment 2C. Roger, did you get it? <laughs> what does this look like? Oh, Roger, that's wonderful. Now we can clear out and... Why, there isn't 100000 here. <laughs> no, my dear. I only got 20000 from him. But we were after 100000 Why didn't you get it all this morning when you saw him? My dear Vivian, it simply isn't done that way. Uh, blackmail is an art. An art that calls for the use of psychology. Philip will give us many times over the money I hold in my hand. All in due time, of course. You mean I'll have to go on hiding in this miserable apartment until you finish your little game with him? Never being able to leave it for fear someone will recognize come, it. Come, come now, Vivian. You've got the radio and books I and won't other... spend weeks in this apartment, I tell you. I won't... My arm! You'll do exactly as I say, Vivian. Exactly. Do you understand? Roger, my arm. You're hurting it's me. It's nothing to what I'll do if you disobey me. Do I make myself clear? Yes, yes. A week passed. A week in which Roger... Patiently bided his time. What time, he knew, was working on his side against Philip. Then one morning he called on Philip at his office. Good morning, Philip. How are you? How do you expect me to be? This past week I've been able to think of nothing but Vivian and what happened that night. Philip, you must stop brooding over it. Whatever happened was her fault, not yours. Yes, you're right. Perhaps what I need is a vacation. Yes, yes, of course. A trip would do you a world of good. And if I could afford it, I'd go along with you. You mean you haven't any money? I'm, I'm afraid not, Philip. That's what I've come to see you about. I must have $40,000 at once. 40000 Yes, I, I know it's a good deal of money, Philip, but without it, I'll be ruined. Well, naturally, I want to help you, Roger, but 40000 If I don't get the 40000 Philip, it may mean prison for me. Now, you wouldn't want to see that happen, would you? Well, of course not, Roger, well, but... After all, Philip, I... I saved you from prison. In fact, I made myself an accomplice to Vivian's murder by not turning you over to the police. Well, yes, I know, now, but... You, you could hardly expect me to remain loyal to you if you weren't willing to 
help me, but you. I see. It seems I haven't any choice. Very well, Roger. I'll write you out a check. Roger's eyes gleamed in amusement as he accepted the check from Philip. There was no longer any doubt that Philip understood him perfectly. Things were working out exactly as he had planned. Later that day, Roger went back to the old brownstone house. There was a smile on his lips as he entered apartment 2C. <laughs> Look at this. $40,000 in cash. Oh, Roger. Now, wasn't this worth staying and hiding for, Vivian? And there's plenty more where this came from. Who could that be? You better get behind that screen. Oh, all right, Roger. Uh, yes? C.O.D. for Miss Brown. It amounts to $64. Oh, uh, you must be mistaken. There's no Miss Brown here. This is the address she gave. It's in care of Mr. Roger Martinson. That your name? Why, why yes, but I don't know uh, any... Those packages are for me, Roger. Uh, how much did you say the C.O.D. was? $64, Miss. Oh. Here you are. Thank you, Miss. Here's your receipt. Goodbye. Goodbye. When did you buy those clothes? This morning. You mean you went out shopping in spite of what I told you? Well, I was sick of being cooped up in this apartment day and night. I had to do something for a change. And what of my plans? You risk everything with so much at stake. Roger, stop looking at me like that. I tell you, I couldn't stand being cooped up in this apartment any longer. But I give you orders to stay here. Well, I won't. I want you to get the rest of the money at once so we can clear out. And if you don't, I'll go shopping whenever I feel like it. You can't make me stay here. <gasps> You'll do exactly as I say, Vivian. I won't allow anything or anyone to interfere with my plans. I've worked out every step perfectly, and there isn't going to be any slip-up. Another week passed, a week in which Roger made no effort to see Philip. Then early one evening, he got into his car and drove out of the city to Philip's home in the country. Oh, it's you, Roger. Come in. Good evening, Philip. Oh, uh, where are the servants? This is their night off. Oh. Uh, you're, uh, you're not looking well at all, Philip. You, you shouldn't remain in this house by yourself. What difference does it make where I am? Wherever I go, the memory of that night follows. It's hard to believe that it was only two weeks ago tonight that I killed her. Two weeks ago tonight? Well, so it was. Oh, well, uh, oh, by the way, Philip, do you think you might possibly lend me $60,000? $60,000? You can't be serious. Oh, but I am. But I lent you that much already. Yes, I know, but I must have more. No. I won't give you another cent. You've blackmailed me enough. Blackmail is a harsh word. Philip. What else can you call it? Now, you're just as hard and grasping as Vivian was. Yes, but you must remember I'm alive and she isn't. I suppose you're glad she's dead. In life, she was worth nothing to you. In death, you're able to get $60,000 for her. In death? How do I know she is dead? But don't be foolish, Philip. You saw her lying on the floor in this very room. Yes, but how do I know she's dead? It was you who examined her and told me so. And you buried the body by yourself. Well, I, I just wanted to spare you, Philip. Just exactly where did you bury Vivian? As a matter of fact, how do I know the whole affair isn't staged for my special benefit so that you can extort money from me? Oh, surely you don't believe that, Philip. 
Why, you shot her with your own gun. Yes. And you took the gun away from me immediately after the shooting. Suddenly, that whole affair is becoming very clear to I me. I tell you, she's dead, Philip, and buried out in the woods. Then I want to see the grave and the body you say is in it. But this is ridiculous. I, I won't go searching for a grave in the middle of the night. You shouldn't have to search for it, Roger. Not if you really dug one. Come along. We can pick up a shovel at the tool shed. I won't do it. I won't do it. I, I said come along, Roger. Oh, very well. But I'm not certain I'll be able to find the grave. After all, the woods is fairly large, and it's been two weeks since I buried her. That's all right, Roger. We'll stay out there until you do find her. A few minutes later, Philip and Roger picked up the shovel at the tool shed and then continued on their way to the woods that began at the rear of the house. Neither of the men spoke as they entered the woods, Roger leading the way with a flashlight. Several times he stopped trying to get his bearings, then plunged on again, hoping to find a, a familiar landmark. It became apparent that Roger was growing less and less sure of himself. Oh, the grave is someplace around here. I'm certain of it. Perhaps we ought to come back in the daytime. It, it might be easier to find it then. I know, Roger. You shouldn't have any trouble finding it now. If it exists. It does exist, I tell you. It's, it's just that the woods are so confusing at night. Everything looks so, so different. Just keep on searching, Roger. Well, perhaps this is the spot. It, it looks something like it. Well, is it or isn't it? I, I don't know. It looks like the place where I buried her, and yet, yet I'm, I, I'm not certain. There's only one way to make certain, and that's to start digging. Here, here's the shovel. But suppose this isn't the spot. Then we'll dig somewhere else. In fact, we'll dig up the entire woods if necessary... After all, you're certain she is buried in the woods, aren't you? Go ahead, Roger. Start digging. Oh, oh, very well. Well, Roger, you've been digging for 20 minutes now, and you haven't uncovered a body. Philip, I told you I wasn't sure this was the spot where I buried her. You're a great actor, Roger. But I'm afraid this time you've overplayed your role. What do you mean? Vivian isn't dead. And there's no use your pretending she is. Everything that's happened was part of a scheme the two of you planned to extort money from me. I tell you she is dead. Then where's the body? I thought this was the spot, but I must be mistaken. I'm sure I didn't bury her any deeper than this, but if I... Philip, turn the flashlight this way. What is it? Look. Do you see what I've uncovered? <gasps> A hand? Yes. This is the spot where I buried her, Philip. Just a few more shovelfuls and I'll have her uncovered. Oh. Oh, it can't be. There. Ah, there you are, Philip. Of course, she's been in the ground for two weeks, but I think you can easily recognize that it's Vivian. Yes. It's Vivian. And look, Philip. Here's the bullet hole under her heart. The bullet hole that you made... I don't want to see any more. I've had enough. You should trust me a little more, Philip. Everything I did was for your own good. After all, you you don't want to go to the electric chair, do you? I don't care what happens anymore. I can't stand having her death on my conscience any longer. I'm going to call the police. Don't be a fool, Philip. You know it might well mean the electric chair. I'll take my chances. Anything's better than going on living the way I have these past two weeks. I'm going back to the house and call the police. Philip, Philip, come back. Come back. Come back. 
Operator! Operator! Philip, Philip, wait! Wait, don't do anything foolish. No, you cut me off. Take your hands off that phone, Roger. What I want you to do, Philip, is to listen to me for a few minutes. At the end of that time, you may, you may do as you please. Now, that's fair enough, isn't it? Nothing you can say will make me change my mind about calling the police. Now, listen to me first. Then if you still want to call the police, you can. Now, please put the receiver down, Philip. Yeah, that's it. Well, what do you want to tell me? Well, uh, do you mind if I mix myself a drink first? It's, it's been a rather difficult evening. Very well. Oh, well, what about one for you, Philip? You look as though you could stand a drink. No, thank you. Oh, nonsense. Do you good. What is it you want to say to me, Roger? Huh? Oh, oh yes, say to you. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Uh, here's your drink, Philip. Thank you. Well, now, uh, what shall we drink to? Uh, we'll drink to your good luck. Come what may. Ah, there. I feel a good deal better. All right. Now that we've had our drinks, what have you got to say? Oh, oh yes, yes. I, uh, what I wanted to say was I, I never let anything interfere with my plans, Philip. What do you mean by that? Simply that I can't allow you to go to the police, and therefore you shan't. It would spoil my plans. Oh, it would, would it? Well, I'd like to see you stop me. I have, Philip. In a very little while, in fact, in just a few seconds, you'll be dead. Dead? What are you saying? Yes, Philip. The drink I mixed for you was poisoned. Poison? Aren't you finding that it's becoming uh, difficult to breathe? Oh, no, you couldn't have. I... My throat it burns. Yes, I know, Philip, but... It'll all be over in a matter of seconds. Now, I, I see it all. You, you murdered her. Yes, Philip. Just a week ago tonight, she uh, died according to plan. I'll call the police. I'm afraid, Philip, that you haven't the strength left to reach the telephone. I will. Uh-huh. I'm afraid you and Vivian never had a chance, Philip. I had things worked out perfectly, down to the smallest detail. Hello, operator. Uh, operator, please connect me with the police. It was at this point that I was called into the case. Inspector Carlton called me an hour after Roger Martinson had phoned the police. When I arrived at the Drake mansion, I examined the body of Vivian Drake and that of her husband, Philip. When I had finished my examination, I entered the library, where Inspector Carlton was questioning Roger Martinson. Hello, Doc. Oh, Doc, this is Roger Martinson. Mr. Martinson, this is Dr. Smith, the county coroner. How do you do? Hello. I'll be with you in a few minutes, Doc. Just stick around. Now, Mr. Martinson, you were telling me how you came to this house two weeks ago tonight to see your sister and found that she was gone. Uh, yes. Yes, my brother-in-law, Philip, told me that she'd gone on a vacation. Now, I, I thought it strange at the time that she should have gone away without saying goodbye to me, as we were always very close. But days passed and, and I didn't hear from her. Tell me, was it like your sister to go away and not write? No, no, it wasn't, and, and that's what worried me so. These past two weeks, Philip kept putting me off when I inquired about Vivian's whereabouts. Well, tonight I... Tonight I, I couldn't stand it any longer. 
and I came to this house to have it out with him. What did your brother-in-law say when he saw you? Well, he was quite agitated at my unexpected arrival. When I couldn't get any satisfaction out of him regarding Vivian, I, I threatened to go to the police. Then he broke down and confessed that he murdered Vivian. When did he murder her? He told me that he'd done it two weeks ago tonight. Why, that was the very night I'd come here to see Vivian, and he told me that she'd left for a vacation. Hmm, I see. Go on. Naturally, when he told me he'd murdered her, I, I was aghast. He led me to the woods and, and showed me the grave. We returned to the house, and before I knew what had happened, Philip had taken poison. Then I called the police. Well, it seems like a plain case of murder and suicide. Outside of a few questions at the inquest, I don't think we'll trouble you anymore, Mr. Oh, Martinson. Oh, that's quite all right, Inspector. I shall be at your service any time. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Martinson. Uh, yes? I was very much interested in hearing what you had to say to the inspector regarding the murder of your sister. You say that your brother-in-law confessed to murdering her two weeks ago tonight? Uh, that's right. That would be uh, April 2nd, wouldn't it? Um, yes, that's correct. Then you never saw her alive after the night of April 2nd? Why, oh, I know, of course not. What are you getting at, Doc? Please, Inspector. Mr. Martinson, would you mind telling me where you live? I... at uh, 425 West 107th Street. Tell me, were some clothes delivered to that address in your care a week ago today, April 9th? Uh, clothes? Yes. To be exact, a woman's sports suit, which cost $64 and arrived COD. Why... Why, no. You're lying, Mr. Martinson. I have in my hand a slip of paper that not only proves that you're lying, but that will send you to the electric chair. Doc, what do you say? Yes, Inspector. Mr. Martinson's plan was perfect, but he... he slipped up badly. He forgot to search Vivian Drake's clothing before he buried her. When I examined her body just now, I found in one of her pockets this receipted bill bearing the date April 9th. That proves beyond a doubt that she wasn't murdered by her husband on April 2nd, as Mr. Martinson here no. claims. No, no. Yes, Mr. Martinson, the corpse has accused you from the grave of murder and has given us proof of your guilt. No, no, it can't be. I had everything planned perfectly, perfectly, do you hear? Down to the last detail. I couldn't have failed. I couldn't have This is the mysterious traveler again. Have you enjoyed our little trip to the grave? Poor Roger. What a pity. After all that planning and hard work, to be tripped up by a sail slip found on a corpse. It just goes to prove that you have to be more careful when you're burying people you've murdered. Now, I recall another case where a woman drugged her husband and... Oh, you're getting off at the next stop. I'm sorry. I hope you'll join me again soon. But if you do, please remember this. Next Sunday, I shall take a train that leaves at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime. Don't forget, Sunday afternoon at half past three... You've just heard Chapter 20 of The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and unusual brought to you each week by Station WOR. In tonight's program, The Accusing Corpse, 
Don Randolph played Roger. Also featured were Maurice Tarplin and Philip Clark. The Mysterious Traveler, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is directed by Jock McGregor. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. Listen next week to a tale titled Escape by Death. Another tale of the Mysterious Traveler. The Mysterious Traveler is presented by WOR Mutual every Sunday over most of these stations. But beginning next week, The Mysterious Traveler will be presented at a new time, Sunday afternoons at 3.30. Please note the change in time, 3.30 every Sunday afternoon, beginning next Sunday. This is Mutual. And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. Good night. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio drama. So, yeah, either the main Mutual Audio Network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. <laughs>